the healthcare system, the healthcare system. We have to protect the healthcare system. What is going on with our healthcare system? We know it's stressed. There's no doubt. We've seen the numbers. The numbers in terms of hospitalizations and ICUs are higher right now than they have ever been during the pandemic. So uh, we're actually going to get uh, about as current an update as you can possibly get right now as to what is going on in Alberta hospitals. Joining us, we have Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doctor at the Royal Alexandra Hospital and the Stollery Children's Hospital. Uh, in Edmonton. Doctor, thanks so much for taking some time to join us this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay, for having me. Now, you're coming to this interview straight from an overnight shift at the hospital, right? That's correct. So you'll have to forgive me if I stumble <laughs> on my words at all. <laughs> no, we appreciate tired. you doing this. Um, but So you can give us a complete, uh, you know, up to the second picture of what is going on. We, we know the healthcare system is stressed. Just give us an example. What are you seeing in the hospitals you're working in as, as recently as last night? Yeah, so our ICU is is just filled to the brim um, at my hospital right now. Uh, it's kind of spread throughout multiple parts of the hospital, um, and it, it's in overflow already. Uh, and then the department that I work in, the emergency department, um, we had a struggle last night just getting patients to move through the department because we were so bed-blocked um, with people, lots of people being admitted to hospital and waiting to move upstairs, and so that. Um, really affects the flow of patients through the department. Now, we keep hearing about the ICU and you know, you're expanding and you're moving into other areas and there's this many beds available. Beds isn't really the issue, right? I mean, you can go to an Ikea and buy a bed this afternoon, but you need people to staff the bed, right? That's exactly right. I mean, even with the field hospitals that we were kind of looking at in the second wave, right? So we had the equipment, we had the space, but if we don't have the specialized personnel to staff those beds, the beds are meaningless. So you, and we, even with the ventilators, for example, right, we could mm-hmm. have hundreds of ventilators, but if we don't have the respiratory therapists to, um, to work those ventilators, to adjust them as necessary, then they're meaningless. And so really it comes down to um, human resources and, and healthcare personnel. Yeah, exactly. So as you were saying, you know, it's taking a long time to find spaces to put people as they come through the ER and things like that, but that is still happening, right? There, I mean, the system is still functioning, uh, although it's under a tremendous amount of stress right now. It is functioning. It's certainly not functioning as efficiently as yeah. it could be uh, right now, but yes, it is still functioning. With the trend we've seen over the last two weeks, last month, last six weeks, um, you know, where do you expect things might be tomorrow or next week or the week after that? In terms of the hospitals? Yeah, just in terms of, you know, we were seeing more and more people ending up in hospital. How much longer can this go on? Yeah, I mean, really, I don't think it can go on much longer when we have now multiple days in a row of more than 2,000 cases a day. I mean, every time I see that number, the case numbers, to me, in my mind, it immediately translates to, okay, well, about one or two weeks from now, we're going to see these people or a percentage of these patients in hospital, right? And so if we continue on the trend that we are right now, it's going to be a matter of a a week or two, two weeks, maybe three weeks at the most before we really are out of space, out of of ICU beds in particular that are quite stressed right now. Yeah, and that's that lagging indicator we keep hearing about. And the Premier talked about that yesterday, you know, with the cases that we're seeing in, like you say, 2,400, 2,000, whatever it is, you know, you can do the math because we've seen this before. You can calculate how many of those people in 10 days or two weeks are going to end up in your hospital, right? I mean, that's just math. It's, It's inescapable. Exactly. That's exactly right. And if we keep trending this way, we we can't avoid the onslaught of patients that are going to have to come into hospital. Yeah, no way around it. Uh, Yesterday on the show, I mentioned the fact that um, we're seeing an increasing number of children getting sick during this third wave. And a lot of people got very upset with me saying, oh, they may be cases. Children may be cases, but they're not getting sick. They're not ending up in hospital. Uh, You spend time at the Stollery Children's Hospital in the ER there. Are children getting sick? Are children being hospitalized more than they were the last time? 
Absolutely, yes. So we were lucky with the wild-type COVID uh, in Wave 1 and Wave 2, um, where thankfully children were not getting as sick um, as adults were. Uh, this time with B117 in particular, it seems to be affecting children uh, more than the wild-type was. And so we are seeing uh, you know, young children that are coming into hospital that are needing to be admitted, and then you know, teenagers that are having to be admitted to ICU. And so this is much, much different than the previous wave. When we talk about kids, are we talking about like 20 to 30 or are we talking about smaller children here, you know, like 0 to 15 kind of a thing? Yeah, so when I when I think of children, I guess I think of under the age of 18. Okay. Um, and so in the teenage cohort, it's kind of where I my colleagues and I are seeing um, patients getting much sicker, like requiring ICU care. Uh, and then in the small, like kind of under 10 is where we're not thankfully seeing as many needing to go to ICU, but definitely needing to come in for hospitalization. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I think, you know, a lot of people get their hair on fire when they hear about this. To me, it's probably just really prudent planning and hopefully we don't get there, but the triage protocol. I know Alberta mm-hmm. Health Services has been talking to, to people like you about this situation and ICU docs and things like that. Um, just tell us what that is and, you know, is it really that alarming to, to bring this out or is that just smart planning? We hope we don't get there. Um. I would say it's both. So um, essentially what the triage protocol is, is it's a way to ration ICU beds when we don't have enough to serve Albertans. And so if we're in a situation where, you know, there's one bed left in the province or, you know, a couple of beds left in the province, but we have five people that need ICU beds, it's a protocol that essentially allows us to um, go through multiple factors to decide who would be the two that would be best served by getting those two hospital beds or mm-hmm. those two ICU beds. The problem is that there are then people who need ICU beds who won't have access to them anymore, and those patients may actually die from that, right? If you're needing an ICU bed, it means that you need to be kept alive by some pretty complex medical care. Um, and so by not having that, it, it essentially means that these patients are going to have very bad outcomes and likely die. Um, and, yes, it's smart planning. It's important for us to... Um, to be prepared for this, but the the frustrating and disappointing part is that this is probably something that could have been avoided. Yeah, and when we talk about these ICU beds, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about COVID, but this impacts, I mean, we use ICU beds to, you know, very high capacity when we don't have a pandemic going, right? So this affects healthcare in many other ways, you know, car accidents, strokes, heart attacks, all these things require ICU and uh, they're going to suffer as well. Yeah, and that's exactly, that's a great point to bring up because a lot of people, um, when they hear the capacity and they hear about these triaging protocols, they think that it only applies to COVID patients. This broadly, the triaging protocols for anybody that needs an ICU bed. And in general, I mean, if our hospital capacity, whether it's hospital ward beds or ICU beds is at capacity, anyone that comes in that needs to be admitted is going to be affected by it, no matter what medical condition they have. So it could be a, you know, a young person that unfortunately gets into a car accident yeah. or has an appendicitis or a broken bone, a stroke or a heart attack. All of those things are going to be affected by not having hospital capacity. Uh, last one before I let you get some rest here. Um, we know that uh, we're seeing the cases around 2000 right now. We know those will ultimately end up in the hospital, you know, two weeks, 10 days. We need to stop this now, right? I mean, if we see these cases continue, just plateau at this level, we know the outcome is inevitable. Absolutely. We need to stop this now in a big way. And the only way to do that, I know people don't want to hear this and I don't want to have to say it, but we need very, very strong restrictions yesterday in order to stop this from happening. 
Doctor, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. Um, uh, great insight, and uh, we'll do this again and get an update. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Shay. You bet. Thank you. That is Dr. Shazma Mathani, who is an ER doctor at the Royal Alex and at the Stollery Children's Hospital in Edmonton. Now, she came off shift uh, this morning. She's worked night shifts uh, the past two nights, overnights, in those hospitals. And um, I, I don't understand um, why her, I don't know, testimony, her evidence, her first-person account of what have is going on in the hospital is received the way it is by some of our listeners. Not all of you. Not all of you. Um, This listener, Lauren, says, it's chilling to hear our brave frontline professionals tell us the truth concerning how close our hospitals will be to overwhelmed. It doesn't sound like we're far from Sophie's choice. We're not. My heart goes out to those that have to make those decisions in triage. Troy says, hi, Shay, I wonder what facts your caller the other day, the male who went on about AHS numbers are generally inflated, would have to counter this ER physician's opinion. I'm sure he's got some that he found online to buttress his point of view. They don't even have to go online, Troy. They really don't. Um, John says, how many children have died? Zero. Seems like the death rate is the same. Um, This listener says... Uh, you guys have yet to be right on your math. Another listener, yay, more ER Dr. Doomsday stories. I just can't get enough. Um, it's we're, we're presenting the information from somebody working in the hospital, and you, I understand that some of you are going to do with it what you want to do with it, um, but it's the facts on the ground from the people that are dealing with this. You can turn a blind eye to it. You can bury your head in the sand. You can say, you stick your fingers in your ears, and no, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Um, but it's going to come home to roost, whether we like it or not. Like she said, she doesn't want more restrictions, but she knows what happens if we don't do something about this situation. We continue to act like toddlers. You're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. It's my rights. Yeah, well, don't get in a car accident, man. That's what it comes down to. We're in a situation where our healthcare system is finite and we're maxing it out. And we know, we know for a fact, based on simple math, that the case numbers we're reporting every day right now, a certain percentage of them are going to end up in hospital, a certain percentage of them are going to end up in the ICU, and we don't have the capacity for them. That's why surgeries are being canceled. Things like that. You can be upset about it, you can ignore it, but it's the truth.